0: Welcome to another episode of the Farzad Misbahi Podcast. Today, I have Australia's crown jewel. They're the host of Solving the Money Problem, Mr. Stephen Mark Ryan. Thank you so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate you for, for coming here to talk with me.
1: Absolute pleasure. Thanks for the invite.
0: Of course, of course. I think
1: you have um, me a little bit, by the way.
0: no way that's my opinion man i think i think you do such a great job with the channel you know the growth you've experienced in your channel i remember when you first came out uh a little over a year ago now i think with the Cybertruck video and just kind of the growth of your channel i think this really speaks to the to the incredible work you do so yeah man i i just say how it is from my end man i i really enjoy your content and i'm I'm really happy that you've come on here to uh, to speak with me it's gonna be super fun appreciate it absolutely Absolutely. um So the one the one thing I want to start off with, so you did talk with Dave Lee about a year ago, and that was a great conversation, but there was one nugget that you dropped that you used to play bass in a metal band. Tell me more about that, please. I want to know more because I'm a guitar uh, player and I'm a yeah. huge metal head and All I right. want to know more.
1: <laughs> okay. So... <laughs> I suck. It's a long story, but the short version is a friend of and I were joking around about how we'd rather, say really, rather see really bad covers of songs we like than the current bands that we were watching in Sydney at the time. Yeah. And my friend sort of challenged me and said, why don't we start a band? I'm like, because I can't play anything. So next minute, I learned bass and vocals, and, yeah, we started playing covers, had a bit of fun. Uh, that was short and sweet, high energy, played a few shows, lots of people there because a lot of people agreed with our thesis about the current <laughs> bands. So, yeah. Uh, we had pretty packed first few shows and uh, had a lot
0: of fun. That's awesome. Do you still play? Are you still playing your bass?
1: Uh, no. I mean, I never really saw myself as a bass player either. It's just okay. I needed to do bass and vocals in span because it's a three bass. So I just figured out how to do it. I'm actually more interested in guitar. So I play a little bit of guitar here and there, but I suck shit. I'm bad. <laughs> but I have fun. I enjoy the process. And I've I've intentionally decided I don't want to get too technically proficient. Because the thing that I enjoy most about playing guitar is actually trying to figure out songs, like listen and play along. and If I have too much music theory, it's going to be so easy for me. Oh, that's that key and this, that, and the other. So I play guitar a lot more recreationally. Just I get a lot of pleasure out of kind of struggling my way through things rather than uh, taking the typical path and just getting to a shred master level.
0: Gotcha. Okay. And is it still sort of the metal type music that you're playing nowadays as well? Like, like what kind of music do you play? Yeah.
1: I I mean, I like stuff generally speaking that requires some proficiency on the instruments. So heavy metal is a good example. Um, you know progressive rock sort of old stuff as well bit of 80s even even some older pop songs you know back when a guitar solo it was not a crime to put in a a pop song so
0: right um, right
1: mostly mostly metal Uh, a bit of jazz a bit of funk too funkadelic one of my favorite bands they have a lot of terrible songs but some amazing stuff too okay
0: That's awesome. Mm. Yeah, I we um I had a we had a metal cover band back in uh, when I was like in my teens. My my brother was the drummer, and we did a bunch uh-huh. of like Metallica covers. We did like Opeth. Uh, you know, uh, i oh, really, really got yeah. into Gojira. It's big pretty time.
1: difficult stuff to to play. So some yeah. of them, yeah,
0: yeah, I'm they're... talking uh,
1: for the speed.
0: Mm. Yeah, 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 and uh, the, the really the thing I really liked about Opeth was sort of that crazy mix they have of like the progressive, clean. I don't know if I don't know how, how much you're into yeah. Opeth, but like right now they're. Like, I'm my not a super band. fan,
1: but I've heard all of their music and I have a great appreciation yeah. of what they've done. What you're talking about there—the contrast between the really intense heavy death metal stuff and then the more acoustic melodic—it's a great yeah. contrast. I really like seeing that in music.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. One of my what? favorite
1: bands is Agalloch, and they do that very well.
0: Uh, what what is it called? Agalloch.
1: Uh, Agarlock, yeah. It's the name of the smell produced from burning some random wood. Very obscure. (laughs) Uh, But they made some very interesting sort of progressive music like that
0: okay that's awesome i love how like a a lot of metal bands have like these super obscure super deep meaning like like names and it's always like i'm like yeah that's so metal but yeah well when i heard that you talking about that i'm like oh my god i gotta ask him about it because i remember when we had our band we were like it was so hard to find a bass player and that's the one thing that we always had such a hard time finding is like oh my god like nobody plays bass i I play bass i
1: mean hate to be so like elitist with the positions in a band but yeah. <laughs> Nobody cares about the basses in general, I, I know that sounds terrible, but much many more guys, especially like, want to play guitar or yeah. do vocals, right? It's more it's so of a true. like, and so a lot of bass people uh, who are amazing at what they do. There's just not that much demand out there.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's like, so cards. true. Yeah, right. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> that's so funny. That's Janet awesome. The bass
1: players who are crying at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Hell yeah. Shout out to all the bass players. Can play bass
1: among you? Exactly.
0: <laughs> Keep playing I'm base, you playing bass player. Oh my god. That's so awesome. Yeah, I appreciate I appreciate you uh, you going into that. Um cool. Yeah. Uh I guess to Chef Gears, um you know, the, the Tesla earnings happened uh, a couple of days ago. I saw you put out uh, a video yesterday sort of recapping some of, the, some of the, the the analyst reactions and all the things that happened. Mm-hmm. But I'm really curious, like, you know, after a couple of days of absorbing it, what's, what's sort of front of mind for you from that perspective? Like, what are the things you're thinking about as it pertains to Tesla and earnings uh, and moving forward?
1: Mm. Well, I think the main takeaway, which hasn't really changed over the last few days, it's just it's still the same thing, uh, is the emphasis on bot? Tesla is really making a shift now towards AI and the humanoid robots. And the opportunity here, I discuss this more in a video I re- recorded today, it hasn't dropped yet, but probably by the time this goes live, people just aren't getting the implications here. Tesla, in theory, if things go as they plan or relatively well, can literally scale the global economy by multiple orders of magnitude. This is insane. It's absolutely insane. Like If you look at world GDP today, it's about $100 trillion. That could easily double 10x, 100x or more. And people might think this is insane. But if you actually think through the numbers, how many productive hours a day can a robot produce? Does it need to get tired sleep? Blah, blah, blah. You, you realize the numbers are insane. Even if it takes a while to get to human level for most tasks, even something that's below human level will still be, be able to work three or four times as many hours in a week. So the implications of bananas. Um, I don't think people are getting it. It's just too, too outside the box. But yeah. it's huge. Um, cars, are, cars are last decade, you know. Like it's yeah. really going to be about the bots and AI. Um, and I mean, this is something that I've been nerding out over for like 20 years. So it's familiar territory for me when Tesla's talking about bots and maybe AGI. It's like, well, yeah, this makes sense. I mm-hmm. think a lot of people, this content is so novel. They haven't really thought about the fact that you could actually make bots and they don't understand the concept of artificial general intelligence, getting to human level and beyond and how quickly that can happen, that it just doesn't compute. Um, you know, if, if Wall Street understood Tesla, everything after the call would be, holy crap, Tesla's all in on bots. Right. And then they would just say, we're completely redoing our model now. We're going to integrate AI, and but people aren't thinking about it. The other thing is the bot. Think about just a pull a magic number. Let's say that there's 100 million bots in the future one day. Imagine if each of those is paying a monthly fee for Tesla's like AGI, you know, robot AI. The numbers get bananas. And it's not yeah. just one-off sales of the hardware, but it's the software. And yeah, same strategy, deploying um, vehicles to solve autonomy, deploy the early AI in humanoid
0: form to solve AGI. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, big implications. I I agree with you 100%. I always find it so fascinating, you know, and and this is not, I I don't wanna like sort of demean the work of analysts on Wall Street or anything like that, but it just seems like for some reason, these long-term potential, massive implications of a company like Tesla and what they're working on, it often just gets either ignored or there isn't enough work being done to really fully understand it so that it can be explained to the masses. It's kind of like, well, Mm -hmm. I believe it when I see it, but like, I feel like as a, as an analyst or somebody that's doing that work, some of the work should be, Hey, like try to think forward. Like what? What could be the implications? Like, like what could happen? Do you think about that? Like, what? what what's your take on that? Because I'm always like, like, why is it you, me, Dave Lee, and like five other people on YouTube or you know whoever else follows these channels that are te- talking about this, but it's not really part of the mainstream conversation? What's the What's the dynamic that you think drives that? It's. I'm very curious to hear.
1: I think there's a few factors. Uh, one of them is that a lot of folks on Wall Street are extremely conservative and just don't want to be wrong. They're like petrified of mistakes. They'd rather underestimate and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And they're basically just, a, I mean, I, I don't want to be so demeaning, but in general, they're a gigantic bunch of pussies. It's just groupthink. Mm-hmm. And like, you, do, you don't want to be that crazy analyst who says something like, imagine you are Kathy Wood of ARC, but you're an analyst, you get laughed out of your job, you mm-hmm. never get hired again on Wall Street, right? And then next minute, you're right. Um, but there's also, I think, a lot of the training. uh, It's just like these guys and girls just can't get out of cell D39 in their spreadsheet. Mm. That's a car company. I've seen it a thousand times. They just project the paradigm that sort of model they've got in their head of that's what that is. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, it's kind of like if you do the same thing enough, you just get a little bit intellectually lazy. And a lot of analysts don't actually see Tesla for what it is. And they can't even see that there's stuff that they can't see. They're just completely blind to the additional stuff Uh, and also just being very conservative. And I think most analysts... Uh, just reasoning by analogy on Tesla, which is the wrong way to go. You really got to think about the company, not what is how's it compared to this, that, or the other. Yeah, um, it's as simple as that. Um, and I think there are some analysts, honestly, who are a lot smarter than you might see from their public commentary. But they don't, like I said, they don't want to get laughed off Wall Street. You know, they don't want to say right. something where their peers are just completely, you know, and it doesn't play out for five or ten years because no one's going to remember what they said in five or ten years' time anyway. There's also, I think, a very short-term focus with Wall Street. It's almost like uh, a lot of the analysts see themselves as reporters. They're telling you what already happened. Like Tesla had a better than expected quarter. Right. We're raising a price target. Whereas there's not a lot of proactivity. Like this is where we see the company going, hey, that's the way that Wall Street is. It is what it is.
0: Right. But yeah. Right. I
1: just, the mental models, I think that most of the sort of traditionally finance trained people on Wall Street have oftentimes are preventing them from seeing what's there. And there's a short term focus as well. And just being scared to go out on a limb.
0: Yeah. Yeah, okay. That's, I, I think I agree with everything you just said there. It's, it's just really fascinating, the sort of the dynamic of, of this sort of Tesla YouTube, like yourself and, and others that uh, have really helped uh, a lot of us really to understand Tesla a little bit better from a future perspective. It's just that dynamic is mm-hmm. so fascinating. And I think, mm-hmm. and, and what's been really cool is that like, there's sort of this merging in, with some analysts, like I know Gary Black, Pierre uh, mm-hmm. Figaro or uh, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. He's, he's got one Faragoo. of the coolest accents yeah, ever, Faragoo. Faragoo yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. my favorite Frenchman is what I like to say. Pierre is the, he's the best. Um, mm-hmm. And there was one other one too that I, I forget. Um, Dan Ives was another one that sticks out. Like I kind of like how they're starting to sort of merge into this world a little bit. And they, they're try, they trying, mm-hmm. they're really having those conversations with yeah. with sort of the folks that seem to understand Tesla maybe a little bit better than your typical analyst would and i mm-hmm. think that's that's overall that's pretty healthy and that's been very fascinating yeah. to see but yeah yeah small steps but it's good to see yeah for sure for sure um and so as far as the 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 call itself goes um are you surprised by the by the short term uh price action that's happening with tesla is this another just you know the market's going to be irrational I mean, it's just, yeah
1: it's just macro environment people panicking whatever you know i'm a long term investor i just i don't really care i pay attention out of interest but right, whatever. Um, I'm just yeah. buying a dip, you know, I've been loading up, you know, postponing, paying my tax bill as long as I can and nice. just buying with every spare cent.
0: Nice. That's awesome. Um, what do you think are some of their uh, biggest hurdles this year? So if you're, if you're going to think about Tesla and uh, 2022, what are, what are things that stick out to you from a hurdles perspective?
1: It's just execution and constraints with supply and supply chain stuff. If Tesla, Tesla can navigate those things, the limiting factor is just how much can they produce? They're mm-hmm. the big, big factors. Can they get enough supply parts, materials, and can they actually put them together and produce the vehicles? Okay. Outside of that, I think at this point in time, it's fairly straightforward. You know, um, the 4680 is not super urgent. I mean, progress on that's great. But honestly, if it doesn't happen for six, 12 months, it doesn't even matter. Um, yeah. I'm really focused on just what's happening with this S curve of growth for Tesla. And it doesn't really matter if it shifts three, six, nine, twelve 12 months in either direction, which is what's the overall trend. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they're just climbing the S curve at the moment. That's all they got to do this year, Just keep climbing.
0: Yep, yeah. yep, yeah. okay, okay. And then as far as, um, the one thing I started really thinking about a little bit more, and I don't know if this is legitimate, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts, but yeah. like, um, you know, the whole dynamic with like from a, so I live in the U.S. and there's like all this U.S.-China tensions that people keep talking about, right? And in my head, I'm like, okay, so what are some worst case scenarios that could happen with Tesla? It's like, okay, China, you know, pulls the rug under Tesla. They say, like, American car company, I know we had the deal where, you know, you're mm-hmm. 100% fully run, but guess what? We're changing the terms because we're China and we can. Um, do you think that's a legitimate fear? Because I've, I've heard some folks talk about it and I'm, like, I'm trying to think about it from like a sociopolitical perspective. And I'm like, okay, is that really legit? Like, have you thought about mm-hmm. that? Do you feel like that's a legitimate fear? Yeah. Yeah, I
1: get asked about this a lot, especially on like my Patreon Q and as It comes up pretty often. Okay, I see it as an extremely, extremely unlikely op- option. It might might happen in like a crazy scenario, but you know, yeah. China's welcomed Tesla with open arms. They've got special financing deals. The red carpet was rolled out. All kinds of perks for Tesla. China wants Tesla in there. It's to China's benefit for their goals for the environment, and economy. Plus, there's a bit of prestige having this really great high end. You know, well, sort of generally speaking, Tesla has a great reputation as a global brand. Yeah. sort of, you know, roll out the red carpet for Tesla um, and for China to really be a hub of the EV market. I think it's in their best interest to allow Tesla to continue to execute. So sure there might be a few things here and there where they try to advantage local players a bit more, but I don't see anything drastic like Tesla get out happening mm-hmm. unless it's an extremely unlikely scenario. Possible. But who cares? Even if that happens big deal. You got Berlin, Austin, Fremont, who cares? Whatever, you know? It's really a speck in the scheme of things and that today versus the scale Tesla will be in ten years, it's irrelevant anyway.
0: Right. Right. And especially if you start layering sort of that, like we talked about the bot a little bit earlier and then, you know, I mean, it it really does become, it's really short term fears that become irrelevant long-term, Right. Exactly. Um, Yep. And, but there's always like a a part of me that I'm like, man, like, am I, am I discounting it? But I mean, hearing you talk about it and like really giving us some thought, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, we'll see if it does become a, a legitimate concern, but I think your point of like, the whole welcoming with open arms like china knows knows what they have like they know that tesla is going to help them as well and that's kind like of like what's going help super everyone f- right yeah it's it's, it's not like specific- the whole
1: ev industry in china too because there'll be talent that moves on from tesla the whole ecosystem grows so it makes right. so much sense to have tesla there so
0: mm-hmm. yeah and it's like like tesla's not really an american car company it's like a global company a it global really company, is and it's and its reach yep. so it's really fascinating mm-hmm. um and then the compet so competition, I know that's something that you, you talk about uh sometimes I can't even in say it. With the
1: straight face. I can't even hear it with a straight face. <laughs> I couldn't even well, listen I'm to like- that without
0: smiling. <laughs> Every time I watch your videos, I'm like, oh my god, I'm like I'm like, you do this really cool thing where you sort of mix uh just spitting straight facts and then with humor and then also being really, really honest about how you perceive something, right? But like, do you do you foresee anything? from a competition perspective that, that could change? Like, is there anything out there legitimately that, that you're, you're saying, yeah, well, if this comes up, it could eat into Tesla's market share, or it could pose a problem to Tesla long-term. If, are there any inklings, any hints, any situations where you think that's actually the case? No. Okay.
1: I mean, no, I sound a bit deluded saying that, but I have actually thought about this pretty deeply, you know? The hours that I've spent looking at this from every angle in terms of competition, Tesla's lead yeah. is literally unassailable. No one's catching up. They're moving faster. They're so far ahead. The things that they're doing, no other company can either afford to take the risk or could execute. Like every engineer at Tesla would have to resign overnight and Elon would have to quit for me to maybe change the theory there. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. You know, the culture of the company is going to keep them moving forward at a pretty good clip, I think. So, um, yeah. You know, there'll be, there'll be companies that go in little tiny segments of the market Tesla doesn't bother with. They'll do well yep. there. Lucid is a good example. If they can actually do really good with the super high end, just total wankery, you know, absolute peak of the luxury market, they can have that. It, right. Like Tesla doesn't care about that segment of the market, so there can be areas where you know competition does well in an area that Tesla won't play. Another one will be really tiny, compact cars that have no safety features that sell for a few grand. Tesla won't do that because they're unsafe. They won't make unsafe vehicles. But there's other companies that can do that, and it's a big market in China. You know, every month, like four thousand plus of those tiny little wheeling mini EVs, I think they're called a selling. It's insane right. numbers. But like the second, third best-selling vehicle in China, electric vehicle in China. Um, but Tesla's not going to do that. So those are the only areas I really see an incredible competition in terms of actually being able to sell vehicles because Tesla's not competing there. But if you're trying right. to get to mass market, just
0: give up, honestly. Yeah. yeah.
1: You know, go for like a tiny, narrow application or Tesla's going to
0: put you out of business. Right, right. Yeah, it's it. the The longer time passes, it seems like that's becoming more and more true, right? Unless, mm-hmm. unless there is something like you said that either happens from a Tesla perspective, where Tesla collapses under its own weight, or something mm-hmm. something happens that we haven't seen yet, right? Like some sort of thing bubbles up that just hasn't existed and, and it appears out of thin air, like exactly, yeah, you know? okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to mention this earlier, but I mentioned this now. You know, you're a very popular guy within Tesla. People watch your stuff, man. Like I, I, when I, I was, I do know people the-
1: watch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> tell me, tell me some stories. What do you got?
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's. I was so funny. Like the one day I would show up. And then they're like, oh my God, did you see uh Steven's video on this price target for Tesla? He thinks it's gonna go here. And this is like in twenty, like it was mm-hmm. twenty nineteen, twenty twenty. I forget exactly when it was. It was right right when you started making videos and the, the stock still. Late twenty nineteen,
1: early twenty twenty. Yeah, exactly. Probably We're around like, oh thirty five, oh forty dollars a share. Exactly. A yeah. yeah.
0: And they're like, "Oh my god, do you think Steven is right?" I'm like, "Yeah, I think he's right." You know, he's he seems like he really understands the company because you know, we did um we had these like internal classes where where myself and somebody else like gave like these stock education classes for for the staff because a lot of people can wow. buy stock, you know, they can buy stock mm-hmm. in the company and and they get compensated in shares. And uh, once your videos started popping up and others, a lot of people gained so much interest and like, oh, my God, I really want to learn how to invest because I'm working Mm -hmm. for this company. And then you got Steven Mm -hmm. and others saying that it's going to explode. Like, how do I do this? And then I literally sat down and I'm like, this is what a market cap is. This is what a stock price is, you know, like kind of giving (laughs) the the fundamentals because a lot of these Mm -hmm. people like they don't have, a you know, you'd be surprised just how illiterate most people are when it comes to like a stock market, like what is a market cap? Most people, you know, mm-hmm. if they think of a stock price, they don't, they don't, yeah, they think of a stock price, not the market cap. And I always found that so yeah. fascinating, but um, you're a popular and you still are. So I just wanted to make sure you were aware. <laughs> like a lot of people Thank listen you. to you in Tesla. Yeah, <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> yeah, no,
1: no, no, that's so good. I yeah, uh, actually yeah. started getting a lot of DMs when I launched the channel from people in Tesla. It's like, either, hey, cool channel, like this is cool. It's, you're talking about this. And other people like, dude, we are doing this, or you nailed it. Holy crap. Like, how do you figure this out? Just from some of my, you know, ideas about what might happen in the future. A lot of yeah. people reaching out and go, dude, you nailed it. I can't tell you how I know, but um, so that was kind of cool to see. And I did a poll a while ago. I, I kind of it was really rough, but I, I sort of extrapolated from that. Maybe around five percent of Tesla was watching at the time. This was really much smaller company though. Mm-hmm. I think it would be far less than that at this point in time. But it's nice to know. Um yeah. and it's also good, you know, to get a little bit of feedback from the thinking versus the reality as well. So yeah,
0: sure, nice absolutely. Tonight. And then by the uh, way, Elon, big shout
1: out to all the Tesla employees, you guys and girls doing a great job.
0: Yes, agreed. Agreed. They're like really the the talent, man. Like I, I, I talked about this in one of my videos, but it's just so shocking, just the Tesla's ridiculous ability to just attract like super talented people that are like-minded. In mm-hmm. wanting to execute against a mission. Like the the amount of people that are so um just like they're just it's almost it almost feels like the military. Like I've never been in the military, but mm-hmm. it has that sort mm-hmm. of like very um overarching, bigger than yourself. Like get in there, it doesn't matter how much it hurts, you gotta get after mm-hmm. it. And mm-hmm. I still feel like, and having worked it, I still feel like that's not super well understood. But like you and, mm-hmm. and others seem to really understand that, that it, it really comes down to execution of the staff tesla's tesla's products are a reflection of its staff right and if tesla is able Mm -hmm. to get the most talented people that they can they're going to have incredible products and it's going to be impossible to like to like match that unless a company exists that has similar core values you know um yeah but i just wanted to say that because it's like it's it's still shocking to me to this day that and it's still not well understood and until a company comes across that can capture that i think that they're going to struggle like talking about the competition variable um How do you feel like since we're talking about Tesla employees, like Elon himself, you know, replies to your tweets, he likes your tweets. How does that feel? Like you feel pressure from that? Like how, how does that make you Honestly, feel? Honestly, I mean, yeah.
1: might just be an autism thing. I don't give a fuck. Like okay. I mean, it's it, it's it's useful to know that there's an open dialogue there, and you know, I can yeah. bounce ideas, and occasionally there's feedback. But I know a lot of people get very excited, and I totally understand. But I've never yeah. been somebody to sort of pedestalize people. Like even in my heavy metal days, I had a I got to meet all the favorite people from every band that ever came to Australia. Cause I was doing reviews. I get in for free, go backstage. And people mm. were like, you know, wetting their pants, like shaking, getting records signed. And these were some of my heroes as well, but I'm like, like, it's cool, but it, I don't really get sort of pumped. So it's nice to know. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't really feel anything about it to be honest. Um, I'm glad other people get a lot of joy out of it, but it's useful. Like I said, to note that if I can tweet something to Elon, he's probably going to see or at least there's a chance we might be able to bounce some ideas, especially like a lot of a lot of my thinking. I've just been basically saying things that Elon hasn't said yet at him to see if he'll say you're right kind of thing, just to check if I'm on the right path. Mm-hmm. It's useful in that regard. You know, like AGI, I've been talking about for a few months before Elon's really mentioned anything. And now he's openly, actually, weird story, but one of my patrons or something figured out he'd like a tweet I made about AGI and then unliked it or deleted it or something like that. But at this point in time, he's basically out of the AGI closet. We know the, the future plans mm-hmm. for Tesla. So it can be useful for throwing that stuff out there and seeing what happens as well.
0: Got it, you know? okay, that's very interesting. So so it, it's interesting you say that because you know, if, I, if I picture myself, I think, I can't remember if I dreamt, dreamt this or this actually happened, but I feel like it actually happened. I think Elon <laughs> did reply to one of my tweets like a long time mm-hmm. ago. And I think mm-hmm. it kind of went back to the back of my head and I felt that excitement. I'm like, oh my God, Elon Musk, you replied my, to my tweet, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. But it does sound like mm-hmm. you, you're, not, you're not faced by that, you're not frazzled by that. Do you find that, um, like, does that extend to the rest of your life? And if that's the case, is that an advantage that you have over other people? You think that you just don't get frazzled by what most people might get frazzled by or might get impacted by, like, does it allow you to think more clearly? I'm very, i wanted to really dig into this. Like, how do you think about that?
1: Mm, Good question. I think it does allow me to think more clearly. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm fairly logical in general. It's just kind of my personality, my innate, uh, the way that i am i guess but um i think a lot of people tend to act emotionally in life about as many things as you know their emotions sort of dictate they don't really think about it and i try to be as rational about as many things as i possibly can Um, this is great when dealing with risk volatility you know people when i first started investing in real estate were like so scared that i'd lose everything because i was buying in the same area just over and over no i just became an expert in this area and the opportunity here and could find great deals uh, and so a lot of people coming from a place of fear, meaning well, and then they're scared, they never want to invest, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, let's look at the numbers, think about the worst case scenarios and be pretty logical about it. Seems to be uh, pretty helpful, most, most areas of life. You know?
0: Gotcha. Mm. Okay, that's very interesting. Um, and then I want to ask you a question. If it's too personal, please let me know. You know I, I, nothing. You know, we could... Nothing too nothing? personal. Okay, nothing. okay. Cause I'm
1: really, c- it's one inch, am- it's one inch. Wait, did I say that? Okay, Sorry. Cut that out. Cut that out.
0: <laughs> 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 that's staying in Steven. That's the, yeah, if funny. there's one thing that's going to stay <laughs> in, is <laughs> that, <laughs> that's so funny. Oh my God. That's freaking hilarious. Yep. Make sure um, you do leave that in. Um, yeah. Oh no, I will. Don't worry. Yeah, I, I like to keep these like just raw, you know, it's just the, uh, I, I like these very conversational things. Just kind of, you know, it's just really cool. Like we all share like so yep. many things I feel like as humans and like, this is like the fun part of it, you know, it's, getting to know somebody like their sense of humor, you know? Um, So, you know, you're open about being on the spectrum, you know, uh, uh, you have Asperger's right. Um, Mm -hmm. And um, so I'm curious, like, do you think that is like, the way I perceive that is I, I don't, I view it as a superpower that's that, that folks have, you know, it's like it, it mm-hmm. you know, I, I have very little exposure to it. I've had some friends that are on the spectrum, but I, I don't really understand it well. But the one thing that's, half, you half know, the
1: people you worked at with Tesla were probably on the spectrum.
0: <laughs> <they could> probably, <laughs> they right? Because like the, yeah. <laughs> and I know like hyper focus is, is attributed to, to that, you know, being able to mm-hmm. like solve difficult problems on the fly. Mm-hmm. Like I, I would be like shocked mm-hmm. at how some people can basically like, it, they almost have like this unlimited database in their brain and they can just go through all the variables and then like, okay, here's the answer. And I'm like, what the hell just happened? Like, I, I, I don't know how mm-hmm. you arrived to the solution so quickly. Mm-hmm. um And also like the logical, you know, like the illogical approach and, and being unfazed by, Um, like irrational emotions, I feel like it's another advantage that folks on the spectrum seem to have. Like, do you think about that often? Do you feel like you have a superpower in a sense? I'm curious to hear your perspective.
1: It's a good question. I I would say, technically, you know, there's an aspect that's a superpower. But there's also a penalty on the other side as well. You know, some things I have, a, for example, I mean, 95% of the stuff that comes with being on the spectrum. I love it 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 really helps in life. you know um, I have an excellent life I'm fulfilled satisfied happy healthy I've got great relationships, great connections with like all the boxes that you'd want to tick generally in life uh, are ticked, and I think a lot of that's come down to to my approach and my way of seeing a lot of stuff but there's five percent and the big one for me every day is having extremely limited energy, so I have two speeds it's on or off and even just, for example, this conversation, maybe, maybe 60, 90 minutes, give or take, let's call it, um, I'll feel the effects of this for the next few days. It's going to be harder to get videos done. I'm going to be more tired. My brain's not all going to be there. Mm. Um, so I have a, things that for most people don't seem to take any energy deciding what to have for lunch, et cetera. It actually drains me. It's like I have a tiny cup of energy and other people have a bucket every day. So I have to be very selective about how I spend my little cup of energy. Um and so that's probably the biggest challenge that comes with it. And I can push through that. I've done that for years. I spent basically the first 30 plus years of my life perpetually burnt out because I didn't realize this about myself. I just keep pushing through. But it just gets harder to get through each day and become a little bit more visible along the way. So I figured out a lot more recently. I really have to manage my energy. Um, and so the one thing that I have to get done every day it's a video, quite simple, and then anything else on top of that, so I get a little bit more done. But that's a bonus from there. You know? I have a lot of routines and habits that I've built. I don't cook food at all too much energy thinking about and cooking and cleaning. I literally haven't cooked a meal for like five years apart from for dates, you know, a bit different, sure. but um, sure. so something like that. And living in, a, in the city right now, lots of things that are convenient nearby doesn't have to take a huge amount of time or energy to do a lot of things in life. So I've streamlined my entire existence around creating videos every day now. And I've had to eliminate a lot of things or dramatically reduce a lot of things that I would otherwise you know, normally I've had because I realize I have got this limitation with my energy, and like I said, I can push through it, but it gets a little bit uh, more miserable as I keep pushing forward. So um, that's a big limitation there. But I do have a pretty unique perspective about things. I'm pretty relentless with my focus. You know, if I want to do something, I'm going to do it. <laughs> I will got literally um, do whatever it takes to get it done. You know, within the bounds of well, ethics and stuff, you know, but outside True. of that, uh, if it just involves determination or hard work and it's important to me, I'll get it done. So, and yeah, I've been able to focus very well. I've, I've, actually, one of the other things about being on the spectrum um, is we typically have special interests. We just go really into something. And just so it turns out, you know, one of my earliest special interests in my 20s, investing, becoming financially independent. So I went from here to sort of expert level within two or three years in terms of investing in real estate in Australia. Mm. I just went berserk and read tens of thousands of posts, like a 100 plus books, just went crazy. Um, and then was able to apply that then. Pivot into a business doing finance because I got so good at it and blah, blah, blah. And then Tesla became another sort of special interest, even before then, but been focused on Tesla for a while. And now it's turned into a, a pretty productive YouTube channel. I've got a career now that I didn't need or expect or plan that's just come out of having that interest and that ability to really go deep on one subject.
0: So, yeah,
1: wow. 95% superpower, 5% disability.
0: <laughs> sure, sure. I man I really appreciate your honesty there Stephen you really dug deep there thank you so much for being so open about that um, I I think well, I think um, what's even more impressive like what's really impressive is um you know and and I can uh you know, I, I'm not on the spectrum, but I can relate with uh, sort of being drained after certain things like I'm more introverted by nature, you know, so like uh, mm-hmm. like heavy social <laughs> interactions, you know, uh-huh. which is surprising because yeah. people will come up to be like, you're not introverted. I'm like, I am introverted. I just I, I like talking to people. But, you know, mm-hmm. like for example, last night we went to a, to a, a formal for my brothers, you know, he's part of the social group. It's the Austin mm-hmm. social group. The initials are yeah. ass. It's the ass group, which is like, I'm like, ha ha ha, that's so funny. But you know, we went out <laughs> and um, you know, had too many whatever uh old fashions. I was, you know, I, I'm still feeling mm. it right now. i I don't know if you can tell uh. my eyes are red, but I'm still feeling it a little bit. Are my eyes red? I, I don't know. Are they? <laughs> they definitely are. <laughs> Every time. I wonder why. <laughs> I wonder why. But, um, but like, I, I still like, you know, like today, I felt like, you know, I don't want to go around, uh, in a social setting because I, I felt kind of drained from that. So, so I can sort of relate there. But what's really impressive about you is that even with, with that, um, you know with that side of 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 who you are where you do get drained uh, with certain interactions like mm-hmm. the fact that you're able to come out with a video every freaking day with that is dense with information which is obviously super well researched is super super impressive so like how Like, like, now that I'm doing YouTube, I'm like, always thinking about, okay, like, what do I want to do? What do I want to build? And then I look at your channel, I'm like this freaking guy, every freaking day, he's got like hit after hit after hit after hit. Like, how, how have you built and you kind of talked about this a little bit already, but like, what are the variables that you really search for, that allow you to get those daily videos out that are super information dense, like, like, walk me through your creative process a little bit. I'm really curious to hear.
1: That's a good one. Uh, it varies a ton from day to day. You know, if there's breaking news that I want to discuss, you know, I'll just get straight onto it. It's pretty simple, right? The, yeah. the work's done for me that day. Um, I always have something to think and and sort of say about what I hear discussed and opinions and news and stuff. So pretty mm-hmm. simple. Other times, you know, I've got a gigantic list of ideas and aspects of my sort of my thesis around Tesla that I want to discuss. There's probably a couple of hundred of them floating around that I'll probably get to someday. Um, and initially, when I started the channel, that's all I did. I had these arguments I was making over and over. They got a little bit more def- well-defined and um, sort of posted those. And that was probably the first 30, 50, 100 videos on the channel, just different aspects of Tesla. Now there's a lot more to discuss. And so there's always ideas bouncing around there. I always find a way to have something to say. Um, and I think I kind of always feel like a sense of duty to people that watch the channel as well uh, to keep creating content on a daily basis. So it almost happens automatically. Um I don't know. I almost like, I'm not even thinking I have to make a video today because that's just what I do. I get up, um, create content. So if there's breaking news, it comes together really quickly and otherwise just going through thinking of one of the ideas that I'd like to articulate a little bit more and and going from there.
0: Okay. Got it. Thank you for that. Um, and then the other thing that I really like about you is that you come across very confident in your videos. Like, I think, um, that's one thing that, that, you know, sometimes when people have conviction, but they don't have confidence in their conviction, it might be it might be tough to like uh, sort of side with them. But like the one thing that I really appreciate about you is that you're you're very confident in your delivery. You're very confident in the information that you're conveying. Is that something that you learned? Is that something you were born with? How, talk me through that. Like where did that confidence come from?
1: Yeah, that's definitely innate. I've always been an extremely, uh, you know, obnoxiously confident person you know um i know my abilities my capabilities um so from that point of view just from an early age i'm like oh you know i'm pretty capable okay this is great and i have a lot of examples of trying to do difficult things and then being successful and that sort of builds confidence as well yeah but you know since day one i've been a very sort of innately confident person and always confident about sharing my opinions i'm not sort of reserved as well a lot of people kind of concerned about saying something that doesn't align with the consensus mm. um you know, even for example a good uh, thing here would be my patreon exclusive q a's that i do a lot of the times people get so butthurt they quit I, they watch one q a like fuck this guy i'm out of here mm. because i've said something that's caused them butthurt and i know like sharing my opinions about all sorts of topics i'm going to t- say something that's going to offend a ton of people here and people you know sort of go from patreon whatever but i don't care i'm just somebody that always has to sort of share my thoughts and over time you know i've set what i thought were fairly ambitious goals kind of at the horizon of what i could see as possible for me out into the future then i get there i'm like oh well, shit, now I can see further. And that kind of process has been going on now, fairly goal-focused now for about the last 20 years. So I have a very long track record of set a goal, achieve, set a goal, achieve. And I can only set the goals as far as I think it's possible. Like if I can't see it on my horizon of possibility, I can't set it because it just doesn't feel attainable. But these goals keep expanding over time as well, and I think that's helped. So, And I am confident in what I say about Tesla. I'm so confident that I speak in hyperbole and absolutes and say things that are going to happen 10 years from, you know, in the future because 10 years' time, they will have played out and people take the timing might be a bit off. And I know I'll be right. And obviously, I can't be right on everything, but 99% of the stuff I'm saying today about how things will play out in the future, I'm confident I'll be right. And I definitely want to sort of have that on the record. And the reason that I speak so in such absolutes is to challenge people who are watching my videos to go, hang on, how does this dickhead know that? How, that How can you possibly know that? And then they start thinking through, how could I be so confident about this one thing and if they think enough about it, they may come to the same conclusion or they may think I'm full of it. But it, there's kind of there's a little bit of method to the madness about that presentation as well, um, a lot of the hyperbole and speaking in absolutes um, because I know that I'm going to be right and I'm building that sort of future credibility and I'm wanting to challenge people along the way who go, how can you know this? Don't be so arrogant like, to think yeah. their way through the same issues so they, they could challenge me on my opinion and now they've thought more about it and are
0: more informed. Got it. That's… That's brilliant stuff, Steven. Like, I know for me, like, if I think about like confidence, for me, like, I'm still struggling with it. You know, I'll be completely honest because mm-hmm. I, I try to be very open and honest. Like, confidence is still, like, I wasn't born with it. You know, a lot of my life right. situations might, um, you know, I'll just, you know, I'll air my dirty laundry for everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um Let's go. You know, confidence is something that I've struggled with personally. And so, something, it's something that I've had to learn. You know, it's something that I've had to, sort of reinforce myself, you know, I, oftentimes yeah. I would be in a situation where I'm like, I know what I'm talking about, but like, I'm just like afraid that if I say one wrong thing, people are going to be like, Oh my god, you're stupid, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. a lot of my career experiences, uh, you know, working at Tesla, working at Phillips before that, um, you know, so being married and my, my, my wife helping me through that, you know, friends and family and stuff it was a learned thing for me, you know, and I'm still learning. So like watching somebody like you is very inspiring to be completely honest. And because, because I can see, I can see that confidence and I can see just how you, you just, you want to tell the truth of how you feel and, and you're very mm-hmm. passionate about it. And, and it's mm-hmm. almost like truth or nothing. Right. I feel like that's the yeah. kind of person you that seem sums to be. It up, yeah. It's yep. Truth or nothing. And like what I'm really curious to hear, like, you've obviously grown a tremendous audience around that sort of mentality, truth or nothing, right? This is how I feel, I'm gonna tell you straight up, fuck your feelings, here it is, right? Like, how does that feel? How does that feel to have people that want to watch you every day? You know, you've had 200 and I think like 30,000 subs or something is still growing. Like, you think about that? How does that make you feel a certain certain way? Like, talk me through that, like, is that, yeah.
1: I do, I mean, From day one on the YouTube channel, uh, I always wanted to be my full and genuine self. And there's things that, you know, a lot of people just sort of choose not to reveal about their personality or their lifestyle. And like that's totally fine. I get it. But for me, I just am all about being radically transparent, like take it or leave it. And I was never concerned. I didn't need to make money on YouTube or this. And I don't care about subscriber growth or offending people. Um, And so I just tell it like it is. And I think generally speaking, most people, even if they know think that I'm a prick, that I'm arrogant, that I'm noxious, that I'm a dickhead, that I swear too much, blah, 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 they generally speaking will still respect me because they know that I am what they're getting. There's no sort of conforming to what they think that they should sort of get on YouTube, these kind of things. And I think that that makes a lot of my audience a little stickier. Like they really genuinely feel like there's a person on the other end. It's not like a kind of faux person, a bit of a sort of you know puppet that's kind of contorting itself to just to fit the YouTube audience. Yeah. You know, the first thing that I would have done, I think, if I was interested in what a typical YouTuber I think seems to be interested in was start covering other stocks and all kinds of broadening to finance stuff and you know, try to be meet Kevin or Graham Stephan and just go for that really general audience. But in order to hit hit a mainstream audience like that, you can't be talking about hanging out with Mary Jane. You know, you can't be dropping F bombs in your videos constantly and offending people and pointing out that the president of the United States is corrupt and these cause, you know, you just can't do that. Sure. But I just am willing to say that. Obviously, I know that this constrains the size of my audience, but I think the way that they feel toward me and the fact that they're sort of seeing my genuine self, there's a much stronger connection, I think, there than the average YouTube channel because of that radical honesty. Um, And there's plenty of people that don't watch a channel because they hate the F-bombs and they get really mad about it and they just refuse to watch it and they're lost. That's okay. But I've never been one to sort of try and please everybody. I'm the total opposite of a pleaser or Mm -hmm. a nice guy, uh, you know, in dating speak. Yeah, okay. I'm never really concerned about pleasing, just do my own thing and take it or leave it. So it's yeah, good that yeah. people have seen the full me and they understand what they're in for. If they're
0: sticking around, that's great. And if not, that's fine as well. Got it. Yeah, and that's that's honestly, like that's what I really respect about you and, and what you, and that's why I wanted to talk to you so bad is because I, I respect you. You know, I respect you as a person. I respect you as a creator. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, like there, there may be things that you say that I'm like, okay, I don't agree with that. Or wow, that was like really like, Colorful language, cool, you know, kind of thing. But like at the same time, I'm like, but I know he comes from an honest place. I know he comes, it's obvious that yeah. you're true. It's obvious that you're being true mm-hmm. to yourself. And I think, I think that's, it's inspiring, man. And like watching, watching you sort of go through this journey since you started and being where you are now, where you're one of the biggest voices around Tesla, you know, Elon sort of follows your channel and other YouTubers follow your channel. It's just, it's been very, very cool to see. So like, and then, you know, if I asked this question like three years ago, Stephen Mark Ryan, did you picture yourself in this seat? You know, this seat of like of influence when it comes to like people's like you know how they think about certain things, how they think about Tesla. Um, was this even part of the dream? Was this part of a vision that you had for yourself? Like what part of Where- a vision? <laughs>
1: it's funny I you use know. that terminology. We got a story here, so uh, please say tell two, me.
0: Yeah. Okay, <laughs> so three
1: years ago, so twenty. Okay, cool. So three years ago. Almost to the day. I mean, we're within like two weeks probably. Gee, that's pretty uncanny. So yeah, about three years ago to the day. um, I was in Peru. I'd kind of gone there to figure out where to from here. So the long story short, previous to that, I worked as a designer while investing in real estate for the first sort of eight years of my career, seven, eight years, something like that. Then I transitioned to having a mortgage finance company because I got so good at investing and figuring out the numbers that people were coming to me for advice. I'm like, dude, I need to help these people. Um, did the finance thing, and then basically I was getting burnt out because of my small cup of energy every day. It was draining me like it was just negative the whole time, and I, it was like putting out fires twenty four seven. And so I couldn't figure out why I was enjoying what I was doing, but I needed a break to figure out why. Why is this sort of draining me? What do I do from here? I'd reached financial independence at this point, so I didn't need to worry about money. So I decided to sell all my stuff and go to backpacking in South America and do some ayahuasca ceremonies to try and figure out what are the next steps. Um, so three years ago, you know, my life was. Playing, uh, playing a few video games here and there. Meeting girls during the day out in South America. Going on dates at night. Re- recycle, repeat. Pure recreation. And I got very bored very quickly. You know, when you're going on a, a date every single night for like a couple of months in a row, it's like, what am I doing with my life? You know. Mm. Um, and so, got very bored of that. I'm like, what? Am I, what am I going to do? And this was just kind of in between time before my ceremony. So, I go to the ayahuasca ceremonies, and yeah, you know, figured out where to from here. It's pretty simple start sharing some of my ideas on a few different topics on YouTube because I have a goal of having an impact, a positive impact on a billion plus people. Mm. And it's a goal to keep me stretched because, you know, if you're financially independent, you're about 30 years old, what are you going to do with your life? So I need, I've kind of always had these longer term goals to keep me moving. Um, and that's a really big one that keeps me going into the future. And, yeah, you know, when I was in the ayahuasca ceremonies, I realized that I need to do something that scales. And YouTube was instantly the, you know, mm-hmm. use YouTube as a platform. What do you know about, a lot about the well, first thing is finance. So a few things. I actually had a previous channel to sort of warm up and get used to YouTube as well. I did like a hundred plus videos on that. That was just really sort of timeless dating stuff. Now, obviously, I had a bit of experience uh dating previously. Mm. And so got that out of the way, got a little bit more polished with YouTube, and then I finished the last video and immediately started the channel. It almost looks like the channel took off on Tesla and I just abandoned the previous channel. But I had pretty much recorded all of my final videos for that anyway, got the ideas out, and then it was onto YouTube uh, for the finance stuff. And it just so happens that a few people were interested in what I had to say. Um, so kind of on this path now. Three years ago, I would have had no idea. I hadn't it was a few weeks before doing my ceremonies, but it makes wow. total sense to me now. And the other big benefit is that previously when I was doing work, I didn't really understand about managing my energy every day. But now I can like this is the the, the perfect thing for me to do because it's all dependent on me. I'm not putting out fires, there aren't emergencies to deal with and surprises along the way. So I can just get my head down and actually get the content created. So I think I'm going to be doing this for a very, very long time.
0: That's awesome, man. Wow. So, so do you feel then that you've, that you've found your calling and you're fully on your, on your path to sort of mm-hmm. like, like really bring whatever you need to bring to humanity? Like you feel like you're on that path?
1: Of course, 100%. I've wow. always been moving in the right direction, Well, at least for the last decade or so, decade and a half. But it's getting narrower and narrower and narrower until I'm like just laser focused and there's no possible other thing that would be the better thing to be doing at this point in time. So I finally got to that point. Obviously over time, things may evolve and change, but.
0: Yeah. Man, I think I'm gonna be creating content for the next couple of decades. Wow, man, that is, that's amazing. I, so, wow, because you're you not the first person that I've, I've heard talk about these uh, ayahuasca experiences, you know, it's it's mm-hmm. like how, like, You know, some people say, woo woo, you know, drug, whatever, festival thing, blah, blah, blah. And then other people like swear by it. They're like, like, this is truly life changing. And, you know, like, do you feel like that was really a a very important part of your discovery process? Or do you think that you would have found this uh, road without it? Like, how do you think about that?
1: Um, I mean, I can't know whether or not I would have kind of gone down this path otherwise i yeah. certainly thought about YouTube years before. There's a goal list that I found the other day from 2013 or 14, like start a YouTube channel on, on this, that, now it was about finance. I'm like, what? Right. I read that wow. nearly 10 years ago. Um, but I think at this point in time, um, actually, one second, I've got a bit of an issue with my my computers. Hang on a sec. Could I one no second?
0: Sorry. Sorry. No problem at all. Okay, cool. Sorry, I don't know where we were. Let's start. Let's no, start. no problem. No problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, popped up over there. Yeah. Okay. So what were you saying? So the question was, um, ayahuasca, like, was it, was it mm-hmm. something that was uh, crucial to your discovery well, process? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It
1: was super crucial. Yeah. Um, okay. just the, 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 certainty, the clarity I got during that ceremony. I, mean, I, I did four separate ceremonies, different focuses, I guess, but the overarching yeah. goal of the ceremonies was to figure out what to do with my life from here. I don't need money now. What do I do? That was it. Um, right. Where to from here. And I just got absolute clarity, like laser focus, like it has to be YouTube and had absolute conviction and certainty. I don't think I would have developed that level of conviction and certainty otherwise. Mm. Um, and that probably would have, you know, let's say I decide to start a YouTube channel in the future, but I don't have the same level of conviction and certainty. Am I going to be dropping F-bombs and talking about weed on the first couple of videos? I don't know. I
0: mean, mm. I can't
1: even put myself in that shoes. But I think just having that, that incredible uh, sense of conviction and certainty about what I need to be doing, Everything else kind of yeah faded away. So if I yeah. hadn't done the ayahuasca ceremonies, no idea what I'd be doing. Probably not YouTube, um, and certainly wouldn't have that same level of belief. I mean, I'm, I'm very confident in general, but this goes from being confident to it's already done. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like when I launched the YouTube channel, I'd probably had listed out maybe over a hundred ideas for future videos already that I was going to do. It wasn't like right. I'm going to try YouTube and see what happens. You know, it's like right. I have to get these ideas out, especially because people don't understand this about Tesla. I have to get it out before. That's what I think it's gonna do, or I'll never be able to live with myself. Um so mission gotcha. accomplished on the first
0: part. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah, that's I, I feel like I can relate to that because that's sort of where I'm at uh in my life. You know, I'm I'm 35 and sort of the the path that I've gone through is, you know, my wife and I are incredibly lucky to be where we're at now. You know, we're financially good through all the work, hard work that we've done and sort of this mm-hmm. YouTube channel that I've created is sort of my my journey to figure out what the hell, what like, what the hell am I here for? You know, like what am I supposed mm-hmm. to do? And like, in my head, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna try to like, you know, I know, you know, I've been following Tesla since 2012, 2013. I'm an early-ish mm-hmm. investor. And so I'm passionate mm-hmm. about the company and I've seen things in there that really helped me with my conviction. And, you know, there are things mm-hmm. that I've learned that I'm trying to sort of get out there for people to enjoy, you know, like that's yeah. sort of what I'm thinking. But at the same time, it's like, yeah. By the way, just
1: sorry to interrupt, but you're doing a great job of exactly that. Like it's really cool to, no, it's seriously, I'm watching your content. I don't comment on a lot of videos. I'm watching a lot more than you would imagine, but you have very useful insights. You're very articulate and great at sharing your ideas as well. And previously, there's a lot of people that don't work within Tesla talking about Tesla, but it's great to have the perspective from somebody that's been in the company and actually has something useful to say about their experience. And he's also yeah. just a very insightful person in general. So you're adding a lot of value to the community. So I appreciate you doing. Thank
0: you so much. That's so sweet, Steven. Thank you. That I really, that means a lot coming from you. Truly, that's that's super awesome. Thank you so much. And you know that, and that's one thing that I was really set out that was my primary goal in doing this is like, I, I feel like there's value I can bring to the community. So this is what I'm going to try mm-hmm. to do, you know? And I'm sort of bumbling my way through it and I'm learning certain things, fricking editing mm-hmm. is a pain in the ass, you know, and thumbnails and titles, like what the hell? Like, yeah. I, I never thought about it's, building a thumbnail in my life, you know?
1: It's hard work, you know, like yeah. this stuff matters. Yeah, Like I have to spend a lot of time thinking about thumbnail and people like, what do you use the same colors? It's easy, man, but there's actually yeah. a lot that goes into this stuff, so
0: right. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cause you, cause you can tell, work, so. yeah, I'm, I'm trying. And what's interesting about your, your thumbnails like it's brand, right? You have a very specific Bingo. brand. It's that sort of like mm-hmm. green, greenish black sort of like, I'm like, mm-hmm. yep. That's the Stephen yep. Mark Ryan video. I know it's right there. That's right? the whole idea. The
1: whole yeah. idea. Yep.
0: Um, and so you do everything yourself. Do you do all your thumbnails, titles, editing, mm-hmm. like you do everything end to end?
1: I do everything. Yeah, I'm way too okay. much of a control freak. And it also okay. back to the energy thing. It actually takes a lot of my energy to explain to somebody else how to do something. I'm like, Could I just be expanding that energy myself, just doing it better? Or like, that's actually a serious consideration I have to have every time I think about delegating and stuff. It's, it's actually counterproductive in most cases. (laughs) I know that sounds like counterintuitive, but it actually is counterproductive in most cases. So
0: yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, No, I I respect that. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then, so what, what would you say is the hardest part of running the, the, whole, the whole deal that you got going on? Like, you know, the production, coming up with the ideas, uh, you know, the editing part of it. Like, what is, what is the thing that well, you almost like, I don't know if dread is the right word, but like, what's the part I'm like, shit, like, that's so hard. Like, like I got to do this every day mm-hmm. this came up. Like, what, um, what is that variable?
1: There's nothing in the, in the process that I don't actually enjoy doing. Um, okay. I think a lot of that's tied to, you know, the bigger picture, the mission that I'm on. I want to impact people. So I don't know. I don't really sort of dread any tasks. The only thing that's really a challenge every day is I really wish I had the energy and time to do two or three videos a day. I've got the content, the ideas. I want to, but I just am literally absolutely fucked after I've made a video for the day. Mm -hmm. Um, My brain is done, right? And so if I push anything beyond that, there's going to be a penalty to pay. Otherwise, I could be making two plus videos a day, maybe three videos a day consistently. Mm -hmm. If it was my 20s, I probably would be. Because there's a lot more stuff that I want to share than I'm able to, uh, you know, some videos will never see the light of day because there's only so much I can do. It's not sustainable. I can do a little bit more for a short period of time. But it seems like a sustainable amount of content for me every day is one video around that sort of, I don't know, how long now, 12, 15, 20 minutes, something like that.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's the thing I struggle okay.
1: with the most. I wish I had the time.
0: And yeah. Energy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so, yeah, like I keep going back to like that, that's so interesting that so like every do you wake up every so when you say that couple of energies full like you legitimately wake up every morning you're like I'm ready to freaking make a video I'm so excited and then by the end of the video you're like okay yeah. I'm, like literally done I don't want to do this again for the rest yeah of I mean wow
1: it actually takes me a while to realize how dead dead I am once the video is done I'm not really using my brain a whole lot so I'll do some yeah. sort of lighter tasks and these kind of things. Um, like even today like i haven't actually uploaded the video yet i've done the recording and editing but jumping on the call for you so i'll do that later but uh, at that point in time if i'm doing like a high productivity high intellectual output task i'm going to pay a massive penalty i'm already past my sort of limit so i have to moderate things uh pretty pretty dramatically otherwise i'll burn myself out got it that's when you start dreading aspects i think
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. And then so within the context of like all the because I'm really I'm trying to put myself like in your shoes when when you've discovered you've discovered this uh, prevention of burnout or learning how to live with within your limits, like how exactly, profound, yeah. like how profound was that within the scope of other achievements you made in your life? Because it sounds really life changing. It feels you know, it feels like you've that's kind of what's enabled you to be who you are today you know like mm-hmm. was that a like how profound was that was that like top three things that's ever happened in your life like how do you think about that that discovery uh,
1: it's it's definitely up there um, yeah probably top three definitely top five could even be number one you know um yeah. previous to this like i only really realized this in the last year or two you know one of my patreon supporters were chatting and she's like oh autism she did this googling and next minute she finds a bunch of videos and sends me one and i learned something about myself and it's like wow i should really learn more about this and then i discover about energy and So, I've been down this rabbit hole and it's completely changed um, my life for the better. You know, managing my sleep better, my energy, my health, my mood, uh, just everything's sort of humming along. Previously, you know, I would describe my life at at peak, sort of sitting around that eight, eight and a half out of 10 sort of range, if I was to give it a rating. But Mm. this has just been that final breakthrough to get to a 10 out of 10 like every day. I really genuinely love what I'm doing every single day. Like, I don't need to make the videos, I just really enjoy doing it. Um, mm. this is what I was saying before, making a video is almost automatic every day. It doesn't like, it just happens. Um, and I get so much fulfillment and satisfaction uh, out of what I'm doing and I don't need the extra income. So this is all being diverted to invest and ultimately that's for philanthropy. So I have this long-term vision of doing good in the world and accumulating capital, which kind of keeps me uh, hungry to keep generating income, even though this isn't the primary purpose. And then I've got this really strong mission that just conveniently, these two things kind of you know, work in tandem with each other. No, and i feel fantastic and before i understood about the energy management i would just burn myself out i would have been doing interviews every every day i would have done like 200 interviews in the first two years of the channel probably and i would have been loving it and then i also would have been completely dead the whole time like man why is it such hard work to do videos every day yeah yeah, so and learning about this now uh it's just yeah things are humming along really well so glad for the insight shout out to my patreon supporter
0: who uh he sent me down that rabbit hole that is awesome, and that it, that's amazing how that works. You know, that like the, the fact that you've sort of uh, created this channel and have that support allowed you to sort of have those breakthrough moments. It's like it's amazing how life works sometimes. You know, it's like it is, man, yeah. that's great. That's that's inspiring to hear. That's inspiring to hear. Like burnout, burnout is something that I'm constantly having to like. It's something that I've literally learned how to manage lately, and I think Tesla taught me how to do it mm-hmm. because freaking a that thing drove me into the freaking ground from time to time, you know, like working there is So freaking challenging and we had a small business yeah. at the same time. And like trying to do mm-hmm. both was was extremely, extremely difficult. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I learned my limits. You know, I'm like, OK, mm-hmm. like just because and I sometimes look at Elon and I'm like, OK, Elon's running SpaceX, Elon's running Tesla. He's got Neuralink and Boring Company. He sleeps five hours a day. He's got six kids and he goes on media and he works on engineering stuff 16 hours a day. If he can do it, I can. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no, the fuck I can't. (laughs) No, I can't. He's a freak. He's a freak of nature. You know, he really is.
1: Um, He's he's, he's got like his trait conscientiousness is like 100 out of 100, extremely rare. Uh, His energy levels, his ability to endure pain and suffer is just unparalleled. There's never been a guy I think like Elon, like, Elon will suffer from the same challenge of limited energy every day, right? But he's not a little bitch. I'm like, I'm gonna recover and rest Elon got Elon mission to accomplish like that. That's what's happening. I like I'm stunned that the guy hasn't just had an absolute burnout yet. I agree, uh, man. You know, like it's incredible. But it's just I think to Elon, the mission's so compelling and he has those traits that kind of help as well. And he's willing to suffer an unlimited amount of pain and and uh, discomfort that he just makes us all look like a joke. <laughs>
0: It really does. It's like, I feel like oftentimes I would feel so insecure about myself. It's like, holy, like how, like, how can I match that level? And I'm like, I just can't. Like some, some people are just exceptional at certain things, you know? Um, And sometimes I worry about his health. Like, I'll be completely honest. I'm like, oh my God, is he going to die from a heart attack at 55? Because he's like, like, yeah. cause he doesn't have an off switch. Maybe like his doom is that off switch off, does not exist. You know, it's like literally just on at a hundred percent all Possibly. the time. Yeah, You know, does that ever cross yep. your mind? Like his health?
1: Um, Yeah. I, look, To be honest, I mean, Elon certainly could lose some weight if you're talking about um, health ideals, but I think sure. a lot of people don't really consider the fact that he has access to the world's best healthcare advice, medicine, the lot. It's fairly naive to not assume that Elon is taking advantage of a lot of things that can help him be more productive, have more yeah. energy, sleep better, like these kind of things that are aligned with Tesla's mission. Yeah. So, Elon's not obviously doing everything that he could, but uh, if you have only so much energy and focus every day, it, most billionaires are extremely overweight. Think of some examples that aren't, unless they're like really, really young. Because it's like so extreme, focused in this direction, a lot of other things fall to the wayside, but they still end up living to quite old age because Mm. they've got access to great healthcare. So I'd be surprised if Elon uh, isn't aware of and taking advantage of a lot of things to help with longevity and health. Um, You know, we'll see. But I'm not super concerned about that. And I think if it got to a point where it was a major concern, you know, Elon's like 350 pounds, somebody would be like, bruh, Bro, you want to get to Mars or you want to fucking die? Yeah, yeah. and that'll be it, you know. But, so I, yeah. I think
0: we'll be okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's that's a great point, you know. And I think I think oftentimes when I think about the context of like Elon's health, I'm like I'm putting myself, like I'm putting him in my body. And I'm like, okay, if if Elon does what he's doing with my body, my body like breaks down at 45 and that's it. It's curtains, as he likes to say, you know, it's over. But that's so true. Like the context of his existence is different because he has access to many different resources. And who knows? He might be genetically gifted. Maybe part of his ability to go 100% is that he has a body that can support going 100%. He
1: he truly does. Um, If you've heard about his malaria story, he physically is quite resilient. Uh, right. And even the story, I think, in Ashley Vance's uh, book from 2014 about the guys, some guys were cycling up a hill and Elon just won't quit. And he ends up, I don't know how much further behind them, but he eventually gets to the top, still standing on the bike, climbing this sheer incline. And he's like got a purple face because he just wouldn't quit, wouldn't give up.
0: Man. Right.
1: Most people would literally have a physical reaction and like fall off the bike half dead. And his yeah. body just kept going. Like he would literally looked like he was dead, wow. purple face or whatever. And just push. So I think that he certainly has a good combination of traits for working your face off and being efficient. And he's obviously got a gigantic brain, you know. If he did a standard IQ test, he'd be, what, one, two, three? He'd be like four or five standard deviations above average, like 0.0001%. Just He's a freak intellectually. Um, I think he has some of the best sort of visual um, faculties of anybody in terms of being able to model things as well. He's talked about how he can picture and rotate things, which a lot of people don't have. Um, yep. can't do very well and so it helps a lot with the engineering stuff. The guy can execute, it's just a phenomenal package. It's just, if you roll the dice, you know, in terms of uh, human genes, eventually you get a combination like Elon. Yeah. Uh, so he definitely definitely does have a few things working in his favor.
0: Yeah, for sure, that's that's mm-hmm. that's a great point. Um, when he when he announced that he had Asperger's, uh, was that, like as somebody on, on the spectrum, like did, did that mean anything? Like did you feel a sense of like pride? Did you feel a sense of like, uh, like closeness to him was, or was that a non-event? Like, was that even uh, uh, a thing?
1: Yeah, it didn't really, I mean, I knew he was autistic. It's obvious fuck, like, uh, you know, I can spot it a mile away. Um, sure. You know, there's plenty of people that I could name. I won't, you know, for their personal reasons, but in the Tesla community that are autistic and don't even realize it, or probably, mm. sort of aren't diagnosed. it's very clear to spot. So I wasn't surprised, but it was nice that Elon pointed this out. I think um, I saw a reaction from Joe, one of the hosts on CNBS, the next couple of days i think he must have a son on the spectrum and joe was yeah kind of i remember
0: this i remember like he that he was like
1: and um becky as I well was that. getting a bit teared up they kind of were struggling with their words you know trying not to choke up because and they were saying that it it helps them see elon in a different light and yeah. i think that a lot of people react uh, very negatively to something that's different like elon you know or myself it just it's a response like that person's weird or different and mm. they get a negative perception or they're not interested in engaging and i think it kind of helps a lot of people who'd dismissed elon negatively who aren't closed-minded douche lords to go oh, hang on a minute oh that explains why it's different so i think it's actually kind of broken down some barriers to a lot of people that just assumed that elon was a bad person or didn't like him for some reason they understand oh his behavior is a little bit different right as he said you know i the electric cars and reusable rockets do you think i'd be a chill normal dude
0: right um, right
1: and i think that was a fair point so i think it didn't really make a difference to me but um i think it's pretty cool that you know a lot of people have taken a second look and go oh I want to be premature to judge this guy. So,
0: yeah, yeah, that's um, such a great point. And I, I do remember that uh, the, the the CNBS, I just, the the names, yeah, that's just hilarious. <laughs> You're like, I think the only person who called the CNBS, I'm like, oh my God, that's so fucking funny. Um, yeah. But, but it was- You people was...
1: corrected me for the first six months, at least on <laughs> the channel? Like... And then somebody- didn't goes, <laughs> yeah, You did think it was a joke? Yeah,
0: people thought that I was making mistakes. Many
1: of them, and I never corrected them. I just let it go in the comments. Oh, yeah. so.
0: <laughs> that's so funny um but but like watching him yeah watching his reaction was sort of like a very eye-opening moment for me because it really i think it really did sort of shift some of the narrative around elon as a human being you know and i Mm -hmm. think especially nowadays with like you know billionaire bad you know like if they have these blanket you know sort of these i don't know what the hell is going on with our society but like you know like oh you automatically are a bad person because of this label right and Mm -hmm. and sort of him being Uh, you know, vulnerable in a sense and open about uh, maybe something that might some people might want to be private about or things that are Mm -hmm. uh, seen a certain way, you know, that show vulnerability. I think that that did sort of solidify with some people that, hey, like this is actually legitimately good person and this is like mm-hmm. something that you know it's neither positive or negative but it's it's a thing mm-hmm. that that he mm-hmm. that he has or whatever you want to call it and it really helped him like it 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 humanized them in a way either on purpose or mm-hmm. accidentally it humanized yep. them and i think that is mm-hmm. so freaking important in today's world um mm-hmm. like so many people that are can be so good for society are often mislabeled or like you know mm-hmm. like a, view it as evil or whatever else because of you know they sort of project their own greeds and sort of weaknesses onto that person they're like well mm-hmm. this person's just bad and i i just i felt like that was such a big moment for him as a human being to to sort of make that announcement and um i don't know it's just seeing people like that viewing him positively especially mm-hmm. you know, somebody like me that has followed his story and i'm passionate about his companies and sort of what he's trying mm-hmm. to do I don't know. It made me emotional because I'm like, oh my God, like people might view him differently. Like he is trying to do something good. Like you can tell he's a good person. You can tell he's a good person, you know? Um, It's amazing that some people, some people can't read Elon and they, they just don't see that. Like
1: it's actually one of the most interesting things that I think about is the psychology of people who see Elon and didn't just read one headline, but actually, you know, do a little bit of digging and then decide that he's evil or dishonest or they hate the guy or, I like the psychology of people that are in that such dark place that they look at Elon and that's what they see. It's like, I think it's reflecting something that they don't like in themselves. Or it's right. really fascinating to me. Like, it's just a very interesting psychological study. Like, how can you misunderstand this guy's intentions? You know, he sacrificed yeah. his entire adult life trying to make the world better, works crazy hours, doesn't live a life. Like, what is it that about this guy that, that troubles you so much? Yeah. It's really fascinating to me.
0: It really um, is it's it's yeah. it's weird and I don't know if I'll ever understand it to be honest because maybe that's just part of human psychology that I just maybe I need to learn more about psychology I don't freaking know like I just don't know how people get to that sense it's I'm I'm very blind to that side but who knows but but yeah it, that 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 was a fascinating uh thing that happened and um and um yeah I think I think it helped him in a way you know being humanized and maybe maybe it will help other people view people for who they actually are more instead of like just assuming they're bad people and then, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever, I don't know. It's, it's i I'm rambling a little bit here now, but you know, I think, I think you've got a good
1: point though. I think people shouldn't judge prematurely and they should really give people a fair chance and always assume the best until proven otherwise. Yeah. Don't, don't jump to conclusions because yeah. But when somebody's made up their mind about somebody, it's it's game over, you know?
0: So for sure, for sure. Mm. Um, do you, so you live in Australia today, Stephen? Yep. I do at the moment. Do you view yourself being there long-term?
1: Hard to know. A year ago, I would have said, no, nah, I'll be living in Austin. Um, mm. But at this point in time, I'm having a lot of fun. I mean, I'm not a big fan of tyranny and fascism, so not not on board with everything that's happening in Australia at the moment. But you know, generally speaking, I really enjoy living here. It's a great lifestyle. You know, I'm close to the most beautiful harbor in the world, so uh, I enjoy it here. But long-term, I see myself living in the U.S., visa application process underway at this point in time. Nice. Uh, It's a bit of a convoluted path and, you know, I might get knocked back to this, I have to do this, but I'm not Mm. in an urgent rush to get that done. So at some point I see myself living in the US and I've actually considered maybe spending six months of the year in Australia, six months in the US. I'm I'm thinking a little bit differently now. Um, The resources available have sort of increased over the last one, two years, so it might be possible to split time between two countries. Because obviously my family's in Australia, so I don't want to, you know, zip off overseas forever and, and not really sure. getting back to see them but um sure. yeah i like it here and i spent a bit of time in austin too that's where i
0: wanted to move so nice i'll probably be
1: living there sometime at least for part of the year in the future we'll catch up hell yeah
0: oh please do yeah i love it we moved here uh october 2020 and we we freaking love it like the, the people here are so sweet like everybody's so nice oh, yeah. so the so barbecue. it's amazing the culture yeah. is just awesome yeah It's like so fascinating because I'm originally from, well, I was born in Spain. My parents are from Iran. They were born in Iran. I was born in Spain. And then we moved to the States when I was 12. Mm -hmm. And I lived in the Northeast for most of my, uh, I guess, life, right? And the, the sort of people that are there are... Good people, but boy, like, I think like the snow and the lack of sun pisses people <laughs> off a lot. And so they're like the warm, yep. it's gotta be something, you know, and, mm. uh, down here in Texas, everybody's like, Hey y'all, how y'all doing? You know, let's yeah. go have some barbecue. What I don't know. Like mm. whatever. I'm being certain. But yeah, no, but that's actually
1: pretty much it. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> it's really it, it's true. It's- yeah. It's really fascinating. Um, and, uh, I would recommend it. Like if you are looking to, to move to Austin uh, or, or spend some time in Austin, like be having lived here, I freaking love it here. So I I would give it a huge stamp of approval. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And obviously everyone everyone who's smart
1: seems to be moving there as well.
0: So yeah, big migration. And then I I know you're big into real estate, like, like the real estate prices here have just completely, I mean, we bought a house here in in October, 2020, it's doubled already. You know, it's like,
1: I've been, I've been screaming about this since uh, Tesla announced their factory. And even yeah. also after visiting Austin, I was there. I was like seeing a few real estate agents, friends and stuff sort of connected to that part of the community there and asking yeah. about prices moving and absolutely ballistic at the moment. Um, I think within sort of the first six months of me being in Austin to sort of leaving, prices moved about 30%, 35% on houses and it's still yeah. just getting started. All you got to do how much of houses in a comparable tech-based city elsewhere in the US and then just run the clock forward far enough and eventually Austin probably gets there too.
0: It's Um, so true. It's going to
1: take some time. but the the, And when I was staying on Airbnb, I got absolutely just reamed. I was living in a crappy studio apartment. I needed it with fast internet, so it kind of my priority. I was not even in the city. um, And I was paying an obscene amount of money, like Mm. more than – I could rent like in Sydney, probably like a three or four, maybe a five million dollar apartment. Probably about a four or five million dollar apartment for what I was paying per per week in rent on Airbnb, because there was nothing available. Because everyone with money from California coming to Austin to buy a place, and in the meantime, they're on Airbnb. Uh, So it was just incredible. Um, So there's a lot of indicators there, and it's obviously not going to stop Tesla. All the employees scaling up, big boost to the economy.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, I I really think I think Elon is really trying to make this area into like Mars beta, you know, and I, I can't remember if you yeah. talked about this or not. But like, it really seems like, you know, he's got Tesla, he's got 3100 acres, you know, by the airport, a gigantic amount of land there, who knows what kind of stuff he's going to build there. You got the SpaceX stuff south of here, you know, and there's so much land in Texas. There's just so Mm -hmm. much freaking land that's super affordable. Mm -hmm. It seems like, it seems like, and that's one of the reasons why we moved here because I'm like, man, like Elon likes to build stuff and he likes to trial things on earth before Mm -hmm. he puts it on Mars. Like Starlink is obviously the communications system for Mars. You know, Mm -hmm. Tesla is obviously the transportation mode that we're going to have on Mars, right? But but Mm -hmm. what, what are other things that are needed on a colony when you first get it up and running uh, to ensure that when people start arriving, it doesn't just collapse, right? Like, Mm -hmm. why wouldn't he make this area into that trial, you know, into that Mm. beta? And so like longer term, Mm -hmm. I think that's where this area really is gonna like boom. Like when he talks about being the biggest boom town in the US in the last 50, 60 years, I think it's Mm -hmm. directly correlated to that in some way. I don't know if that sounds crazy or not, but-
1: no, yeah. I don't think so. I mean, like I said, I, some of my friends that I made in Austin when I was visiting last year yeah. are in real estate. You know, A couple of the agents I was talking to were I was saying like, if I can arrange finance, can you make some calls? If I'm like overseas in Australia and I've got the money and blah, blah blah, can we finance a few deals? I wanted to buy real estate in Austin. Yeah. And when was I there? Like March, February, February this year, March mm-hmm. and April, uh, really desperately wanted to buy a couple of houses, just the median type of house there, you know, 350, 400k somewhere around there. Just have mm. a handful of those decent cash mm. flow and just sit on them for the next 20 years maybe 30. Oh, uh, yeah. the numbers are pretty good but um i couldn't do that without buying directly with cash so i gotcha. had to buy tesla stock instead but uh, <laughs> yeah it's going to be a, a serious boom town, i think so yeah, yeah. maybe yeah, buy right. your neighbors if you got the opportunity
0: <laughs> yeah right <laughs> yeah for real um, what, uh, so, you know, we talked about sort of your energy levels outside of, um, outside of making videos, but do you still have time for hobbies? Like what, what does, what does your sort of life look like outside of videos? Like, do you have hobbies? Like, what do you do? What do you like to do for fun? What does Steven like to do for fun? Yeah.
1: Well, honestly, making videos is fun for me. So sure. I don't need a ton of recreation outside of that. I mean, every day I'm usually outside getting some air exercise for a walk. I kind mm. of, a very sort of, you might not know this, but a very spiritual, not religious, but a very spiritual person as well. Okay. I've spent a ton of time in my 20s meditating. I've been on retreat. You know, I took incalculable amounts of psychedelics, which also helped on that um, journey. Okay. And so I like to spend time sort of an hour plus a day outside, just really being mindful and present of what's going on. It's kind of like a almost like an open-eyed meditation practice, a bit of exercise mm. and vitamin D along the way. Um, I catch up with friends pretty regularly as well, regularly for me based on my energy level, a couple of times a week, uh, okay. you know, never more than a few hours. Um and I had family actually uh, before we spoke and organising this interview. I had family. I sort of flew them up so we could hang out for a couple of weeks. Uh, mm-hmm. They've just gone back home as well. But, um, you know, it was awesome to hang out with those guys as well. So I've got a younger stepbrother and sister I've had a great time with. But it's pretty standard stuff at the moment. My days are oriented around making videos and I hang out with friends and family where I can and look after my health. Um, I have an unconventional dating life as well, but I won't go into that into too much detail other okay. than uh, I tend to date non-exclusively. so. Um, yeah, but okay. that's women are a very low priority. It's always video uh, centric
0: and stuff. So, yeah. gotcha. Awesome, awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that spiritual stuff is. You know, my wife has. You know, I've been thinking about that more lately as I've sort of got more time, and like my wife's mm-hmm. somebody that I really look to. That that has really started. Is she's way more spiritual than I am, and like previously mm-hmm. I would be like. You know, I would be have this stupid mentality, like oh, blah blah blah. You're just, you know, woo woo, blah blah blah, something mm-hmm, or other. Mm-hmm. But like she, I used to really, be like
1: that too, <laughs> right? But <laughs> that like was she, me to a T, man, yeah.
0: So what changed? Like I, I'm curious, like what changed? What, what was the um, thing that made you think I, I about it acid. Okay, all right. <laughs> that
1: was it. Okay. I, it, I, I discovered a a way of being and feeling, and some insights. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that this door existed, let alone that I could sort of walk through. So that opened up the entire world of spirituality to me. And again, I want to be really clear: I'm not talking to anything to do with religion, right. no pseudoscience, um, just a sense of um, I don't know connectedness and love for all things. This kind of woo-woo sounding stuff, but there's actually something very serious and very valuable there as well. And I was very dismissive of meditation, and it was I was like, what is that crap for hippies? But then I take acid and my mind is expanded. I'm like, Oh, okay. I didn't realize that there was actually something there. Um, So, yeah, there was a time, there was a time in my twenties where I was like, seriously considering basically just sitting in a cave for the next 10 years. Okay. And just meditating for 14, 16 hours a day, like a serious consideration. Wow. But The reason I didn't end up going down this path is like, how am I supposed to positively impact people if I'm in a fucking cave? Mm. Like there was a lot to explore there. And if I could clone myself, I would literally go down that path as well.
0: So, wow, so, yeah. so you really, you were really taking it, you wanted to take it as far as you could based on, you know, at that time it's, you were really taking it. Yeah. You were really ready to commit your entire life to it, essentially, that's how big of an impact. Yeah, well the, the amount yeah. of
1: insight and, and just contentment and well being I was discovering by deepening my meditation practice was just, inc- it's incredible. I literally could have mm-hmm. sat in a cave, like if you locked me in solitary confinement for the rest of my life, if you did it today, I'd be fine. Wow. Most people would not. Psychologically, that would they would struggle very quickly, but I'd just be meditating like all day, every day and just having a great time. Wow. So but yeah, obviously if I'm doing that in a cave, I can't really be having a positive impact on other people.
0: So right. I have to pass on that. I wonder like how much, you know, because one of the things I struggle with is devices sometimes, like screens. You know, this is something my mom my, my my mom, my mom used to yell at me about this, but my wife as well. You know, get off the freaking phone, you yeah, know, you're, you're on your Twitter. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> I love you, baby. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, um, um, oh, she's going to freaking tear me to sheds for that one. I already know. I want to leave it in just anyway. Okay. Um, but, uh, I, I do sometimes wonder, it's, like, me. it's my
1: fault.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's Steven's fault. Damn it. Exactly, um, yeah. the, uh, I, I like, I wonder like in today's age with how, how much people get distracted with screens. Like I can use myself as an example. You know, I, 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 I do get, um, and I think that's what's sort of preventing me from really achieving a close to that level of sort of uh, serenity or like really peacefulness and mindfulness is like, I'm my brain is like, that dopamine hit is legit. It, it does feel mm. sometimes like an addiction. Like, do you think oh, about that, yeah. about how that's harming people's ability to become closer spiritually? Like, does that ever cross your mind? I'm curious.
1: I haven't thought about it through the lens of uh, preventing people becoming more spiritual, but it makes total sense. Um, so yeah. I, it's some, some stuff that's quite useful and relevant to this conversation. I have my phone on Do Not Disturb 24 hours a day. I have for the last four years. Okay. Uh, I have no notifications set on anything. People all the time on my videos are like, bro, doesn't anyone message you on Twitter? Because it's always like empty. Like I, I basically don't get notifications from any social media at all. Mm. And I dip in when I want to. I dip in to see have I got a message or is it, like I'm not sort of a slave to my device and to notifications because I realized early on it is addictive. You know, mm. you pop on and you, you see this little red notification or this one or whatever. And next minute, it's just a little feedback mechanism. You can lose a huge amount of time on social media, being completely unproductive and doing nothing and just from being connected to devices uh, in general. Uh, and I think a lot of people are never going to know that there was something more there to experience because mm. they'll, they'll be so used to using their devices that they forget what life's like without it. Um, and it's tough. This is one of the reasons I said earlier, I take my practice every day. I'm outside an hour, hour and a half doing that mindful practice. And you know, I want to keep the, the sort of knife sharp because if you're not doing that, it's very easy to fall into the trap of notifications and phones and devices and you kind of miss out on the world. And there's nothing wrong. I'm not like anti-phone and anti-technology, but I don't think most people can moder- moderate their behavior effectively. You
0: know, I agree. Like, uh,
1: people, I have Instagram and I only ever go there to post content. Um, so if you hear about me and crypto, it's not me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Me. <laughs> I don't have time to message people about crypto, but um, I only go there to to share stuff. And I realise that most people they actually spend 30, 60 plus minutes a day, probably on social media, maybe even more. Some some people yeah. three, four hours on social media, uh, just because it's addicting, and you get on there and you get trapped. And yeah, I'd, I'd much rather be sort of meditating and having a transformative spiritual experience than scrolling through notifications somewhere so i'm pretty diligent about that and i think you're right a lot of people are going to miss out on that part of life um, by just being sort of addicted to their devices
0: yeah so. gotcha yeah it's it's something that i really you know another thing that i really admire about you is that you have you have been able to sort of be much closer to who you are as a person right like you've, you've really spent a lot of time doing that uh, it sounds like so um, I mm-hmm. always like hearing from people like that that are really, you know, going down that path. I talk to my wife about it all the time. When I spoke with Dave Lee, you know, that was something that he also spoke spoke about, like, you know, his spiritual mm-hmm. side and being closer, like, you know, really thinking about what else is there to life kind of thing. Like, he seems mm-hmm. like a very deep thinker in that way as well. So mm-hmm. like, I'm really trying to draw inspiration from people that that have seemed to be become a little bit closer I've gotten closer to that side of themselves, you know, like being much more Mm -hmm. uh, introspective and really, you know, just being within themselves and not allowing things like a freaking screen to potentially, you know, take time away from that very valuable experience that very, very valuable time, you know, so Mm -hmm. I always think about that. And I think my thing is, I just need to start breaking some habits, you know, I just got to start like, it's gonna be like, okay, off, I do what you got to do, you know, like, what you do is do not disturb, turn off all notifications, I'll probably start deleting social media apps here and there. Um, the one thing that's interesting, like now that I run the YouTube channel and, you know, I am I'm, a, I'm a, I have a data background, so like analytics are things that I'm always looking for, but I feel like I shouldn't. Uh-huh. Do you have any advice mm-hmm. for me here? Like, how how should uh, I treat analytics? <laughs>
1: well, it's a slippery slope. There can be some useful insight there. Yeah. Um, for me, I mean, I've never really been focused on metrics until the last couple of months. I actually just out of interest, I started listening to some interviews with Mr. Beast because obviously there's something that you mm-hmm. can learn from this guy. I learned a ton of stuff, a lot of which doesn't really apply, but it's given me a lot more appreciation for some of the data you can find on videos. In particular, you know, the the best sign of a video that's great is average watch time in percent terms. How much of the video did people watch on average? Um, And that's something that I've paid attention to out of interest. What did I think this video would do versus another? And it's good to sort of build my model in my mind of what's probably going to perform relatively well. And. But I'm not really applying a whole lot of this because I'm just making the videos I want to. But I can tell in the back of my mind, like people are going to get mad. They hate this video or not watch this or this is going to probably retain people better. And I Mm. generally have an intuition. So sometimes I'll compare intuition versus the reality just to see is my mind on the right path. Mm. And that's about as much as I do there. Uh, It's very easy to get sort of lost and trapped in the the numbers. Um, I know a few content creators will post a video and then immediately start refreshing and change the thumbnail and try and figure out, and there's nothing wrong with that. And if you're making a business, if your channel is a business and that's how you view it, you should probably should be doing that. Mm. But for me, point of view, it's more recreation. I'm doing it because I want to. So I don't right. follow all the best practices and don't get too crazy in that. But it's definitely Actually. worth paying attention just to, to see what's going on at a pretty broad level. But you can spend yeah, too yeah. much time there, I think, as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, that, that's the one thing I'm really trying to prevent myself from doing because I can see how it can become addicting. You know, it's like trying to optimize yeah. everything. And I think ultimately... I think the 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 thing that's going to be more helpful is like just do the best you can, and then mm-hmm. people that if people find value in it, they'll come. If they don't, whatever, that exactly. cares, you know. And it is exactly, what it is. Yeah, so, you yeah. Know? I think. I mean, if
1: you follow if you follow the data the entire way, it won't yeah. be long before every video is like,
0: "Yeah, right, have ten stocks
1: yeah. to buy now." That's that's <laughs> what will happen.
0: Yeah, right? yeah. And if yeah. that's what you
1: want to do, then that's fine. But that's what following the data no. <laughs> precisely will lead to.
0: Right. So, exactly. You know, I already you had end like, up in the
1: same sort of place
0: yeah i had folks already like you know trying to give me advice you know in the comments they're like please don't turn into this clickbait guy you know you're uh, t- like uh, please do and yeah. what's always so fascinating i'm like i, I just it, it means a lot to me that people care so much that i that they want me to be um as honest as possible with my content without trying to deceive them in some way that they should click on mm-hmm. something so i i really appreciate that but at the same time i'm like holy shit then i got and then I, then i start putting pressure on myself you better not make a thumbnail that's gonna piss people off you know so it's like it's like this thing now but um uh, it's so it's a blessing uh, in a way you know it's a blessing because it's i'm so lucky to be able to do this you know as a as a hobby you know so i, I, mm-hmm. I didn't mean to cut you off there Stephen. i, I think you were gonna say no something. no no it's done. Yeah. Okay. i think i was done okay. yeah okay um uh i got you for a couple more minutes here Stephen. i want to ask you a couple uh oh, yeah. more fun fun questions here okay um mm-hmm. So you've really, like, happiness is something that I, that I, you know, try to ask my guests, but it does seem like you've, you've really discovered, um, um, you've discovered happiness and you seem like you've, you've, you know yourself well enough to know what that path looks like. Is that an accurate assessment? Like, do you feel like you have found happiness and, and how do you think about being happy?
1: Mm, yeah, I've actually spent a lot of time thinking about happiness. I mean, it was the first major problem I wanted to solve before the money problem. So I was, I was thinking in the past, you know, when I was really young, like 20 or something like that, maybe 19, um, you know, what's the most important things to focus on in life? Now I'm a young man, I've got my career ahead of me and I realised that happiness was number one, health was number two, money was number three and then impact, you know, doing something once you've got enough money was the sort of fourth thing. That's where I wanted yeah. to focus. Um, I'd rather be unhealthy and happy than sort of, you know, um, healthy and unhappy. So for me, happiness has been something that I've been sort of working toward like hacking and understanding and optimizing for the last, call it 20 years, give or take. Mm -hmm. Psychedelics are part of the story, uh, meditation, uh, many other things as well. And I think what I've learned over time is that for somebody with my personality traits and my, if you're familiar with the terms masculine and feminine, not referring to men and women, but just the kind of traits that come along, like masculine, like decisive, leader, getting stuff done, breaking through barriers, growing in the face of challenge. You know, feminine, more nurturing, colorful, variety, um, just very, very different sorts of traits. And I, most people have a mix of masculine and feminine. Most guys are a bit more masculine. Most women are a bit more feminine, but sometimes it's uh, this variation. I'm like just at the absolute far end of the scale on masculine traits. Okay. <laughs> so for me to be happy is actually extremely simple. And for any guys who are the same, you have a very, sort of, very masculine traits. Um, for me and most guys that are like that. You just need a really compelling mission, and that's it. Everything else doesn't matter. I mean, it's useful, but if you are just all in focused on a mission that really matters if you accomplish it and you're really focused on that, you solve mm. the happiness problem as a guy. Um, now, obviously, you can't let your health go too bad in this kind one, of, but that's the thing to be focused on. Um, and I think a lot of guys uh, are too scared to really focus on having a meaningful mission purpose because they're working a job like, oh, what if I quit? I can't provide my family or this, that, and the other. Um, and I think that that's probably one of the biggest things that a lot of guys do uh, wrong in life in terms of happiness is they're not on their mission. They're just working a job. they somebody else's bitch. They're doing something they don't like. They're just trying to provide for the family. And this is the kind of people living their lives of quiet desperation. You know, you don't really hear from these guys. They're not complaining like, hey, how are you going? Yeah, good. Everything else work? Yeah, it's fine. But it, really, they're like, at the end of the day, they don't go to bed at night thinking I did something meaningful that was in line with my purpose and I'm realizing my potential. So very simple for me. Um, The way to solve that mission is kind of something that's taken a while to figure out. You know, I was in the finance business and I thought that would be it, but that wasn't sustainable because of my energy levels. Um, But it's really simple be mission focused and be on a really compelling mission. And um, obviously, everyone's, you know, um, has different physiology. So the mood's kind of like weather. Some people are going to have a little bit, a few more cloudy, rainy days, and others not so much. And I've never really been somebody that sort of had poor moods in general. but, yeah, the solution was pretty simple for me. Just find a clear, compelling mission and purpose and just relentlessly pursue that. Um, and everything else is secondary. It's it's working out pretty well. So it's a little bit harder, I think, for people that aren't so singular in their focus and their traits. But right. it's like, this angle I carried in front of me and I'm good. So if <laughs> I mission, I'm just going to keep running. Um, yeah.
0: But I think, I think that discovery process of knowing that's who you are as a person, I think there's a lot of work that went into that too. So like, even oh, though, yeah. you know, yeah. even though the, the outcome might be simple in a way, uh, it, really the work that you did to get to that conclusion was grueling, I'm sure, in a way, or like oh, it was long, not for sure. You know? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I've
1: spent like a good two decades and I've done, you know, courses, books, seminars, you name it. I've right. read hundreds of books, mostly on personal development and growth. And I've gone to Tony Robbins seminars. Shout out to Tony. Got some really useful stuff, even though he's kind kind of insane. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I spent time thinking about my traits, my values, what I want. Like I've I've gone through this process. And spent hundreds, if not thousands, of hours probably on this this challenge. Wow. But what it, where it's led me to is a very clear understanding of who I am and what I need to be happy. So I'm that's just implementing. Awesome,
0: yeah, you know, inspiring stuff. It really is. That's that's freaking great. Um, so five five years from now, 2027, have you thought about who you who you're going to be? Like, what's what you know? Have you laid out a plan for for your goals that far in advance, or how much detail is there in that in that five year plan if it even exists? I'm curious to hear.
1: I, I do have five year goals and ten okay. and a bit beyond that. Um, yep. I'm usually a lot clearer on the short term goals, sort of next three, six, twelve months, and then the next few years, it's a little bit grey. I've got kind of some general ideas, so. I've got goals in terms of income and finances and stuff but the truth is it's basically going to be the same as it is today. I've got in my mind that I'm kind of going to be focused at least until I'm 40. I'm 36 now. At least until I'm 40 just all in focused on the channel. Maybe around 45 to 55 I'm now considering the possibility of family. It's a long story uh, but I'm not in a rush to have a family. I think that's a mistake a lot of guys make as well. Not, not all guys of course. But now there's a lot of guys I think that feel obliged by society just to get into family and have the kids and work hard and that's a great path to unhappiness over time if you haven't worked on yourself enough before getting to that point because you lose a lot of time and the freedom to think about purpose and mission and these kind of things. Um, so the only real change I think between now and the next five years, maybe, maybe an exclusive relationship but probably not, not in a rush there. I think I've got between 45 to 55 uh, to make okay. that happen and as I've said... I think generally speaking, guys over time tend to accrue value to most women. You know, They're better providers, they're more competent, more established in their careers. So uh, unlike women who have sort of a biological clock, uh, I think guys can take a bit more time. So that's definitely a goal in the longer term. But five years, it's probably just going to be the same shit, making videos about Tesla every single day uh, and swearing too much.
0: Okay, <laughs> I like that. So that's great. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to see it. That's awesome. All right, thank you. Thank you for that. For that honest answer. Um, and then uh, I got a, I got a couple more questions. I like these. Uh, I label these as very important questions at the end of my video. Um, and I'm, I'm curious um, to it hear the like answers it. here. I can, t- yeah, I can yeah. tell they're going to be very important. important. Very important. <laughs> um, how do you like your eggs?
1: Usually scrambled, but okay. um, I'm a bit of an egg whore. You know, in the past I've eaten, like dozens a day. Uh, they're mm. great source of protein and a few other vitamins and stuff. Um, so I sometimes mix it up. But Scrambled is, with a lot of butter is my general preference.
0: Nice, nice. Yeah, Scrambled is my favorite too. It's freaking love it, love it. Nice. Coffee or tea? Nice.
1: Coffee, for sure. Okay. Best drug on earth,
0: yep. Ca- so are you a really big, uh, is caffeine something that you, that you take in quite a bit? Three shots a day. Um, Three shots a day, okay.
1: A, yeah, pretty measured approach. I try to have it before about eight or nine a.m. at the latest 10 or 11. So it doesn't affect sleep in the evening, um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, it's literally the greatest drug on the planet. I think in terms of the effects, uh, it helps with mood, energy, focus, all sorts of things. Uh, and in addition to that, the benefits of the antioxidants. Like people, even if they can't drink coffee, it affects them. Should be drinking like decaf, a couple of shots a day for health. It's that beneficial. So uh,
0: yeah,
1: I love it. Positive effects, and it's good for you. Winning.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I I started drinking ke- decaf for that same exact reason. My I started developing some pretty severe anxiety from caffeine. So like I had a panic attack. Caffeine can
1: exacerbate that big time.
0: Yeah, it was rough. And it's i actually, I've been meaning to make a video about this at some point because I I fought with anxiety for a little bit there in my life. And I I discovered Mm -hmm. that drinking coffee was like, it was making it, it so it worse. much worse. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. But I missed, oh, the f- yeah. I missed the taste and I knew there was some health benefits to it. So I switched mm-hmm. over to the VCAF and it's like, I get the best of both worlds. I don't collapse from an anxiety attack and I get to mm-hmm. drink something I like, you know? Because. So it's like, yeah. I found that beautiful, winning. Uh, yeah, exactly, winning. Mm-hmm. It feels like winning. <laughs> um, is everything predetermined or do we have free will?
1: Um, I think free will is illusory, but I'm, I don't think that everything's predetermined. I just don't think that human beings are actually uh, the one operating the vehicle. There's a ton of um, science and studies that have been done coming at, at this from various angles, but uh, it's been about 10 years or so since I uh, realized that yeah, free will is an illusion. It's a convincing illusion and it doesn't really change things, but uh, yeah, it seems like the evidence of free will being illusory is overwhelming. There's some great um, content. Sam Harris wrote a book, I think 2011 or 2012 called Free Will. It's very short. You read it in like 30, 45 minutes. Goes over a lot of the arguments and the neuroscience behind that as well. Like one example, you know, you can have people in the lab and tell them to choose, you know, press this button or that button and, you know, take a note on the clock of when they decided. And as machines that can read their mind and realize that they've made a decision up to like 10 12 seconds before they thought that they decided. It's a million different ways that you can look at this thing. So um I think, yeah, free will is an illusion. And that actually is also pretty helpful, I think, for confidence and not really being concerned about what other people think. because the perspective you have, it's like you're almost the passenger um, in what's going on. You're not consciously sort of controlling things. You're just sort of seeing what's going on. It's gotcha. pretty compelling uh, psychologically. You know, I think it does help with yeah, a lot of uh, traits and things that I've done in that. just having that mindset over the last 10 years. Things are a bit different when you, you don't believe that you know, you're the one in control of your actions. So I recommend everyone check out that uh, book by Sam Harris, at least as a starting point. He's done some talks, videos on YouTube you'll find as well. Just as a starting point, if you think, what is this idiot talking about? Obviously, we have free will. Um, <laughs> go down the rabbit hole and just see how the arguments stack up and, and the science there.
0: Got it. I'll make sure to check out that book, too. I've never read it, but I'll make sure to add it to my yep. list. Awesome. I appreciate Highly that. Highly recommend that answer. It. Yep. Awesome. Um, do you think humanity can ever reach a point of no war?
1: It's definitely possible. Here's how it pans out. We either reach that point or we wipe ourselves out. <laughs> Right. So if we can last long enough, eventually I think wars kind of, kind of get, you know, out of the the evolutionary pool. Eventually, we're kind of trending in the right direction, but it's going to take a long time. And so between now and then, uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, I definitely think there's a possibility that we end up wiping ourselves out entirely at some point in the future. And if that doesn't happen, almost by default, that means that we're still around. If we can survive long enough into the future, I don't think that's going to be. Comment. It's just at the moment, you know, we have we're in a society that's a few thousand, a few hundred years old, depending on how you're viewing it, versus hardware that's like a quarter of a million years old. Right. So the, the hardware needs to catch up, otherwise, yeah, things. Yes. I mean, all of the things that happen, basically, in terms of crime these days, practically, you know, violent crime and sexual crime. You look back to our evolutionary history, and it all makes sense. <laughs> we're basically we've just crawled down from the trees. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah. I think over time if there's if there's opportunity it'll get sort of filtered out but
0: it's going to take a while Gotcha Yeah I tend to agree with that I tend to agree with that it's like you know it it seems especially with like the advent of AI and what's happening and like if we're not careful with it it seems like that could be like the cataclysmic event that really just brings this whole thing down but it also the flip side of that is that it could mm-hmm. help us achieve our ultimate purpose as a as a as a species right so mm-hmm. um yeah, I, I got to think about it, like I really started thinking about it a little bit more lately, but I, I have so much more uh, effort that I have to put into it, like thinking about it, because um, I think that's really going to help us understand what the future is going to look like, you know, because we are going that direction. And the, the A.I.'s A.I.'s uh, forcing function on war and what that means is I don't think can be understated and we're really getting into a weird place now where. Um, especially yeah. with like different countries with like trying to uh, gain AI dominance is going to be very mm-hmm. interesting. The variables are very, very interesting now. Yeah, it's, um, it is
1: going to be interesting. That's an understatement.
0: Yeah. Freaking crazy. Yeah. I lose um, a lot of
1: sleep about AI.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it's really the bot like, it, and I, I want to go back to this for like a split second, but like that, I still feel like that call, that earnings call is the way that Tesla shifted its tone so heavily towards AI, mm-hmm is like Mm -hmm. is not understood at all outside of maybe a few folks like that like it's almost like a genesis like like a starting point of like uh tesla really becoming an ai company and its Mm -hmm. future products are going to be we're going to go look back to this call and be like this is kind of where it all became public like this is Mm -hmm. it was the coming out party i don't know if you agree with that or not Mm -hmm. but it, it felt that monumental you know? Yeah,
1: I, I agree completely. I think a lot of people won't understand the implications, but it's all laid out there. Tesla is really focused now. It's all just basically on AI. FSD, it, Elon, yeah. all called was like, FSD is so friggin' big. You guys don't understand. You're not like, yeah. it's big, guys. It's so big. And then he goes on and says, Oh, an Optimus spot. Yeah, that's even bigger than Tesla's yeah. entire auto business, <laughs> which includes FSD and RoboTaxi. Taxi. And people just like, it just straight over yeah. the head, like, yeah. completely over the head. But yeah, stunning implications there. I, I think might take a few years, or maybe a decade before people start to realize, but Tesla's really all in focus now on AGI. That's the end destination and a lot of stuff yep. in between, but AGI deployed in the humanoid robot is the sort of, that's, I think that's the North Star Tesla's really aiming for at the moment. Yeah. And so, everything else will happen along the way, but yeah, new focus, yeah.
0: it's pretty cool. Crazy potential, so fascinating. Mm. Um, and then the last question to bring this whole thing home, uh, what is humanity's purpose?
1: I don't think humanity has a purpose. I think it's up to individuals to figure out what their their purpose is. I really do. And I, mm. I think for some individuals that's being the world's great, best mother and for other people it might be a musician or a great friend. Like everyone has their own. I know this is corny, but I actually think that really um, that's the way things should be. I think people as humans should figure out, you know, what's going to give them satisfaction and fulfilment. And if as a bonus, if also at all possible, can do good for other people in some way, but in a small or significant way. I think if everybody can figure that out for themselves, we don't need to worry about humanity's purpose. I think, you know, as a collective organism, everyone's pursuing their own individual purpose. We're moving in the right direction. Uh, I think humanity's purpose is definitely not to be enslaved to somebody else or conform to a typical conventional lifestyle and just work a job and pay your bills and not be thinking about what actually means a lot to you and what can positively impact other people.
0: Got it. Beautifully said. Steven, thank you so much, man. I had such a blast. This was, it, it, I really got. I feel like I really got to know you as a person, and uh, you're an awesome dude, man. You're you're very easy to talk to. I really enjoyed our oh, conversation. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I I really enjoy the fact. It really, it really, it really does come across that you've spent a lot of time thinking about things, you know. And I and I really enjoy sort of learning from those people, and I and I just really want to thank you for you taking the time. And I, you know, you've you've sort of described about how this is going to be especially taxing for you from an energy. Level. Like I can't, I am so appreciative of your time. I really am. And, you know, I feel like I've learned a lot, uh, just talking to you and it, you've inspired me in, in more ways that you could probably understand to be completely honest. Cause I, I, I do, I find a certain energy from you that I really enjoy, you know? And, and the fact that I got to sit down to get new, Get to know you a little bit better, get to talk to you has been uh, super fun for me and I consider myself very lucky. So I just want to say thank you so much, man, for taking the time. If you're ever in Austin, please let me know. Let me make you a brisket, oh, sure. bro. I'll freaking make you a yeah, brisket. Bro. It's gonna be delicious. I lived on
1: brisket in Austin. I lived I literally lived on Hell a few eats yeah. every day brisket. So
0: that's awesome. Yeah, I'll take yeah. you up on that
1: for sure. Perfect.
0: Yep. We'll share over a beer, man. And yeah, uh, uh, if you're ever in town, please, please let me know. I would love to meet you in person as well. Um, any, any lasting thoughts? Any lasting words for, uh, for the folks watching this interview?
1: Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me. It's been a great chat. Uh, you're doing really excellent work and I'm glad to see the channel is going well. So keep at it. Uh, you're really adding a lot of value. And in terms of everybody watching, I uh, hope you've enjoyed. And uh, Tesla stock, way too fucking cheap. Don't say anyone,
0: yeah. <laughs> Even Mark Ryan said it, and usually when he says it, he's right. <laughs> so you better listen to the guy. Give
1: me 10 years. We'll, uh, we'll bring this clip up in you know, what, 2032? Hell yeah. Because the stock was less than a trillion dollar market cap now uh, for the company. We'll see what happened. Yeah. It'll age well.
0: I'm right there with you, man. I, I 100% agree. Thank you, man. Thank you so much. Um, thank My you pleasure. all for watching, and uh, we'll see you guys on the next one. Thank you, Stephen. Really appreciate you, man. Thank yeah. You. Peace out. See Peace. Bye. Awesome.